And uh, like the disciples, Jesus' disciple and Christ himself, the way that the Romans tried to keep control is they crucified people. It was a brutal way of torturing people and they'd hang them from a tree. This particular brother, he had some friends and they were brokenhearted that he was going to be nailed to a tree that day. And, and so they followed him down to the hillside. They actually hid up in the hills. And when the Romans put him upon that tree and they nailed him to that cross, he cried out, He is risen! And in the people that were hiding in the hills, they cried out, He is risen indeed! And from that day to this day, the common Christian greeting around the world, the way that we identify someone as a believer, no matter where you go, I say, He is risen, and you respond back. Okay, so we're going to practice that real quick. He is risen! Ah, oh, you sound good. Jesus is alive. Can we just give, we've done a lot of clap, but let's just give Jesus a great big clap this morning. Come on, amen. Resurrection weekend 2014. It was 15 years ago today that my wife and I, with a small handful of people that moved from Seattle, Washington, came to Central Florida to do this, to bring God's love to this city one person at a time. I got to tell you, from that day to this day, it's all been possible because the message never changes. The message never changes. Jesus is alive, and He still changes people's stories. He changed my story, and many of you today are going to have an opportunity to have your story changed. But as believers, we are so grateful today for this weekend. Fifteen years, I look out and the worship. If you guys knew our very first worship service, Mike, we had CDs. I hired a guy that told me he could play the piano, but the only thing he could really play was a saxophone. And uh, so that was real fun, and we had a great time. <laughs> but i got to tell you, from there to this day, it's amazing to see God's love being brought into this community from Altamont to Sanford. And I want to thank you for being here. And i got to tell you, God always saves the best for last. This is going to be a great, great resurrection service. I love you. I love this church. I love what God's doing. And uh, I, I want to just... Uh, kind of preface my message today you know we've had six services we've never done six before and we just we have a lot of incredible volunteers here we had people that have been here friday saturday sunday we had people here all week we had people last week stuffing eggs and getting the stuff ready for the kids and parking lot people and guys in the tech booth give the guys in the tech booth a big hand amen But it wouldn't be possible without the team. Pastor Glenn and Kristen and Christina and the deacons and all the people that serve here. I want to just say thank you. If you're in this auditorium, I want to say thank you. I love you. And I love this congregation. I love what God's doing in our community. This is Resurrection Sunday, and we've been on a journey. For the last five or six weeks, we've been talking about the story, God's story. We've been talking about God's story and how that when God's story intersects with our story. God's story is the upper purpose, the, the big plan, the, you know, from the beginning to the end. That's God's upper story. We live down on this earth, you know, this, the daily stuff, paying the bills and taking care of kids and going to school and trying to figure out our careers and jobs and all those kinds of things. And that's our lower, lower story. But when God's story, his upper story intersects with our story, our lives are changed lives have changed. Uh, the, the fact is today, the story that I'm about to tell you is a true story. The names haven't been, even been changed to protect the innocent. Everything I'm about to tell you is the truth because it comes from God's Word. And we do something here as a tradition at City Church as we stand 
at the reading of God's Word. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read John's Gospel. We're going to read a short account of Jesus' resurrection story. John's Gospel, chapter 20. And we're going to begin with verse number 11. The Bible says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. Mary's significant here. Mary's significant. If you read the New Testament, you'll see the name Mary frequently. There was actually five different Marys in the Gospel. But this particular Mary, she loved Jesus. You know, the Bible says that he that, he that experiences a great darkness and great sin has greater love. And she was a broken woman. She was broken. She was all messed up on the inside. And one day she met Jesus, and her story was changed. I want you to see that she had ran down to the tomb. They had crucified Christ. They had put him in a tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it. They had Roman guards there. She went down to the tomb that day. And the Bible says she wept and she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated with Jesus' body that had put there one the head and one at the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was just the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Jesus said to him, Mike. Jesus said to her, Joe. Jesus said to me, Eugene. She turned and towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and sit to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things that he had told her. And on the evening of the, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. Here's my one big idea. I want you to hear this this morning. Here's my one big idea. Jesus is our peace our power, and our purpose for living. Jesus is your peace, your power, and your purpose for living. Every Sunday we have a pastoral prayer. And today I'm going to pray over our congregation. But I'm also going to pray over every church in our community that's preached the gospel of Jesus this weekend. There are great churches that have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And we are so grateful for every ministry in our community that loves Jesus and wants to proclaim his name. So we're going to do that this morning in our pastoral prayer. Will you join me today? Lord, I thank you today. I thank you today for what you did for me 2,000 years ago. And that I can stand before these people, God, and proclaim your goodness and your love and your grace. 
And Father, for every life-giving church in our community, whether it's a Baptist church, a, a Methodist church, a congregational church, a, a church of God in Christ, an independent church, an interdenominational church, a Spanish church, whatever, God, I pray today for those pastors and those leaders. I, I thank you, Lord, that this weekend your favor was with them and many people came to you. And I pray great blessing. And all over this city, Jesus, I pray that your name would become famous because we are lifting you up together as a team. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you've allowed me to serve these wonderful people, these incredible people for 15 years. And God, along this journey, Lord, you've been with us every step in the way. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this sixth Easter weekend service today. God, I know that you always save the best for last. And I pray that you'll give the hearers an ear to hear. But God, you'll also give me a mouth to speak, clarity of mind. And God, I pray that you will show yourself strong in an awesome and mighty way. I ask this, Jesus, in your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. God's story came to mankind... God's story came to mankind through His Son, Jesus. God's story. The fact is, I look around this room, every person here has a story. Isn't that right? We all have a story. I have a story. You see me here today. I'm 50 years of age. This is April 20th, 2014, and I've been alive for a little over 50 years, and I have a story. Some of you know my story, but some of you don't know my story. I want to tell you my story. Uh, I, I wanted, and you know, the, I was thinking about this this week. I, I pulled out some old photo albums. I actually found a photo album in a trunk. It was my grandmother's. It was from the 1930s. And I pulled this photo album out, and I'm like looking at these people. And who were they? And I knew there were some, you know, great, great aunts and uncles and grandpas and looking at all these old pictures. And I was wondering about their story. I was wondering about their story. I mean, how did that happen? And how did this happen? How did this person meet this person? And as I was going through there, my mind began to stroll down memory lane, and I began to think about some things in my life that I'll never, ever forget. I mean, we all have those events, don't we? We all have events in our life that we'll never, ever, ever forget. Uh, I have an event that, that has radically changed my life. It's the reason I'm here today. I have an event that took place in my life. This was back in November of 1986, and it was my very first with my beautiful wife, Laura Jean Loy. Can you go ahead and put that picture up? I want you to see this is our very first date back in November of 1986. That guy over there, the, the big guy, that wasn't me. <laughs> he was Mr. Junior Vancouver. We went to Baba College together. I was a skinny guy over here, and I actually had hair back there. <laughs> that was our very first date. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it was all over from that day. And there was an old song that uh, uh, used to play on the radios back in the 70s. And it went something like this. You are the magnet and I am the steel. And baby, she was the magnet. I was the steel. Skyrockets in flight. It was all over. That night, I was never going to let her out of my life again. I mean, there was no way. And I knew that night that we were going to get married. You know, you first date and then you get married, right? And that's the next thing that happens. There you go. Thank you, guys. Come on, that's our wedding night, Salem, Oregon, August 28th night. I'm getting these dates good. If my wife is here, she'd be really proud of me. I'm actually getting these dates right. August 28th, 1987. And, and I, I don't really, you know, most days, you, you know, these really special days, there's so much going on. I do remember this one thing. I said I do. <laughs> 26 years later, 
I mean, it's been amazing to see what God has done in our life. You know, first come, comes marriage, and then comes the baby carriage. I'll never forget the day that my oldest son, Austin Eugene Smith, was born. I just, I remembered. I, I rem- it was just, I mean, Austin, he, uh, he was an interesting child. The way he came into the world was kind of interesting. He's always been interesting. But, but my wife, um, she always had a, she has a strategy on everything. She's like one of these people. She's got to have a strategy and a list. And, and she had read somewhere that if, you know, you eat a bunch of food, maybe it'll help the child come out. And so on a Sunday night after church, my wife and I with some friends, we went to every single fast food restaurant that we could find in Bellevue, Washington. I mean, we went to Mickey D's. We went to Burger King. We went to Taco Schmell. We went to, we went to, and I think we finished it off at Dairy Queen. And the next day when we went to the hospital, let me tell you, it was amazing because whatever she did that night, it worked. The doctor, you know, most girls, they go into labor, it's painful. And it was, I wasn't saying it wasn't painful. There was, it was painful. I, I do remember that. But, but uh, the doctor walked into the room and he was holding a sandwich and a Diet Coke. He just thought he was going to check in on my wife. And he walked in and his eyes just went like this. And he's like, uh, nurse, we got some work to do. And he dropped the sandwich right there on the desk. And man, they didn't have room, time to change rooms. Austin was coming, baby, whether we wanted or not. And welcome Austin Eugene Smith into the world. I'll never forget that day. Carrying him home. I can still remember all the feelings and the emotions. And then five years later, God blessed me. God blessed our family with another special gift. Keenan David Smith. He was born July 14th, 1995. And and the reason I remember this day is because uh, I had a buddy of mine. His name was Randy. And Randy was my domino buddy. And we played a lot of dominoes together. And uh, so we decided to take our party to the hospital. And we were there, you know, in the, in the, in the nursing ward, you know, where all the moms were getting ready to have babies. And we were just having a party. <laughs> we were just having a good time playing dominoes. And it started to get a little loud in there. And we kind of made our way out. We were going up and down the hallways. And we were looking for food to eat. It was late at night. And, and uh, this nurse saw us looking for food. She said, what are you doing? She said, you guys are making too much noise in here. You're out of here. You get out of here. And she literally kicked us out of the hospital that night. <laughs> I remember it. Next day, Keenan David Smith came into the world. The joy and delight of my life, my two boys. You know, that was, that was awesome. And that is awesome. Uh, the next picture I want to show you is a picture of me when I was 19 years of age. I was 19, and I really did have hair. I know you can't believe that. That ain't a wig. That's really me. <laughs> I'd give my right arm for that hair right now. Man. I just... <laughs> That's how I see myself still, I've got to tell you. you know. <laughs> I was 19 years of age. And guys, I was far from God. I was far, far from Jesus. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. My life was full of pain. And the way that I try to deal with pain in my life, the way that I try to deal with pain was seeking pleasure. Living for Eugene, living for me. And... And it's a familiar story. Many of you have experienced that story. I thank God for you, those of you that have never experienced the story. But for those of you that have, you know the story. The drink, the drugs, the running around, the looking for fulfillment, looking for love, looking for peace, looking for happiness. I was just doing it all the wrong ways. I had a lot of pain in my life. And everywhere I went, I caused a lot of pain. My life was painful. Very, very painful. One night... My life had come to this place. It was just, 
Everything was out of control. Completely out of control. Completely out of control. And I took myself on a journey. I went up a mountain highway. You can actually see the story. We've, we've actually posted it on the internet. You can see the whole story. But I, I hit a guardrail going 95 miles an hour on a 25-mile 25 mountain highway going up to the top, 11,000 feet. I hit that guardrail and I slid all the way down. It's at that moment, things weren't right in my life and I didn't even care. Over the next couple of days, God was dealing with me. I didn't know if I believed in God. I didn't know if God existed. I didn't know any of that. Over the next couple of days, I realized things weren't right in my life. And on that Sunday, two days after that event, on that Sunday, I realized I needed to change life. Jesus had been speaking to me. The next picture you're going to see is me and a changed life. Here's me about two and a half years later. This is an important picture to me because the young man that's there with me, his name is Joel Rudy. We're born nine months apart. We lived, we grew up. He was born in Long Beach, California. I was born in Long Beach, California. We moved to Arizona. He was my first cousin. We had known each other, lived together. We had done all kinds of stuff together. When my life changed, when God changed my life, God was also dealing with them. But Joel decided that it wasn't for him. And he died just a couple of months after this picture was taken. He died of a heroin and cocaine overdose, full of drugs and alcohol. Didn't wake up one night. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't surrender. What I'm also amazed at is that God saved me. I can't tell you why. I don't know why God demonstrated his love and his grace and forgiveness to me. But I've got to tell you today, I have a story. It's a story of a changed life. The disciples that night, the disciples the day that Jesus was crucified, immediately went into panic mode. I mean, it, as we read our story of the resurrection, you've got to get the backstory. The backstory is that for three years they ministered with Jesus. The, here is this most incredible guy. The world had never heard these kinds of things come out of a human's mouth. Jesus taught things. Jesus spoke things. But Jesus demonstrated power that no man had ever demonstrated. Jesus healed people who were sick in body. Jesus opened blinded eyes. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus healed people's hearts who were all messed up with all kinds of addictions that caused them to bring all kinds of pain into their world. And in one touch, in one moment, in one word, Jesus changed their world. And these young men that were with Jesus, the disciples, they were 19, 20, 22 years of age. Man, they were riding on top. They were a bunch of radicals. They had been called by Jesus. They came out of the world. They, they were fishermen and tax collectors. They were kind of a rough, tough kind of group of guys. Jesus called them to follow him. And they did. They were riding high. In Jewish culture, in Jesus' generation, the Romans were the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And, and there was this expectation among the Jewish people that they were going to overthrow their, their, their captors. And they had this sense that maybe this was the guy. Maybe this is the guy that was going to throw off the tyranny, the oppression of the Roman government. It kind of reminds me of Castro and Chavez and the guys in the 50s in Cuba who had this concept that they were going to overthrow the, the, the powers in Cuba, their generation. They caused an insurrection. And that's exactly what the Roman government was afraid of. The Roman government was afraid that these rebel rousers were going to make a, a bunch of noise and bring problems to the world. So immediately these men became public enemy number one. 
They went from riding on top. They went from being, experiencing the fame and the glory of Jesus to finding themselves in a place. In a place that they didn't want to be. As a matter of fact, when we look at our text, the Bible says they were in a locked room. They were in a locked room. You can look at verse number 19. The Bible says in the first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked. And here's the deal. The doors were locked and Jesus comes into the room. How does that happen? The doors are locked. Jesus comes into the room and they think, oh, maybe he's a ghost. No, no, no. He's not a ghost. He actually comes up to them and he says, touch my hand. Touch my hand. I'm alive. I'm risen from the dead. Believe me, I am who I said I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And at that moment, things begin to spin in their life. But what I want you to see at this moment is that Jesus stepped into their reality even when the door was locked. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you today. I don't care. Listen, the door of my life was locked. I wasn't going after God. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't pursuing God. But Jesus stepped into my reality. Because here's the deal, folks. Jesus can go where no doctor can go. Jesus can go where no psychiatrist can go. Jesus can go where no party can go. Jesus can go where no lover can go. Jesus can go to the deepest recesses of your life. And even when you're not sure who you really are, He comes into your reality of that locked door. That's what Jesus does. He did it for the disciples. He desires to do it for you. The Jesus of the Bible came into their midst. He came into their midst. He was there with them. What I want you to hear today is that Jesus loves you. He really loves you. He really cares about you. Jesus will be with you wherever you are at. The psalmist David cried out like this, If I go to the highest heavens, no matter where I am, God, if I go up to the highest spirit, your peace, your spirit, your presence will be with me. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. There are no hidden places in your life that Jesus can't go. There are no locked doors that Jesus can't enter into. Your greatest need, He cares about. See, for them that day, they were afraid. They were afraid. You know, the fact is, is that fear is a natural response to disappointments and discouragements of life. Look at this verse again in verse 19. They were behind the locked door where the disciples were all were, were, were there for fear of the Jews. They were in that room because they were afraid. We all have fear. Don't kid yourself. I mean, a lot of people try to mask it. They're confident. They're sure. But we all have fear. We've all got some fear in our life. Uh, I have fears. I mean, just to be really honest, I, there's times I, I don't know if I have what it takes. I, I remember this weekend, I called Pastor Glenn, and, and this is our first time that we've done six services. And I remember Good Friday, you know, I've been out of the loop, and we've had some things happen in our family. I haven't been around as much as I usually am. And I was wondering, is anybody going to even show up this Easter weekend? I mean, I was, I'm telling you, honestly, I'm like, okay, Saturday night, 4 o'clock. I mean, really, somebody's going to come to church Saturday night at 4 o'clock? <laughs> we opened the doors, and this place was full, and the kids' ministry was full. And listen, I didn't need to have fear, but I'm a human. The fact is, today, I, I have a fear that people will reject me. I'm a hu- I, I want everybody to like me. I do. Now, 
I know not everybody likes me, but I really want to be liked. That doesn't overwhelm my life, but just to be really honest, I'm a parent and I have boys that are 18 and 23. My phone is by the bed at night. And there have been nights when my boys have been out and there's just this little thing in the back of my head. My boy's okay. They're not home yet. I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely overwhelmed by it, but I've had those thoughts of fear. You know, what if the phone rings? How would, they, how, would they even, how would somebody even know to contact me? We're humans. We have fear. The fear of rejection. The fear of ex- being accepted. The, 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 the fear of not getting the promotion at your job that you feel like you deserve. Jesus looked into their hearts. Jesus showed up in their world. When fear comes into our life, usually it's unfounded. I love what Franklin Delano Roosevelt said. He said, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. So Jesus, Jesus steps into our reality, comes into our reality, and this fear wants to keep us from trusting Him, keep us from completely believing that He's able to meet and take care of our needs. But see, it's why we need Jesus, because Jesus reaches down into the depth of our soul and He fills our heart with faith, hope, and love. Jesus said, I come to my own, even when they didn't expect it. He didn't wait for them to get their act together. He doesn't wait for you to make it all perfect. I want you to know today that Jesus came to them. 29 years of being a Christ follower now, and I know, I know that Jesus comes to me. And this is my response. This is my response to Jesus all the time. Jesus, please help me. Jesus, please help me. Please help me, Lord. Lord, you know the payrolls due this coming week, and God, things have been really difficult. And Lord, please help me. Please help me, Lord. Uh, Lord, please help me. This young lady that waited on me Tuesday night at the restaurant, and she thought that I was there for her. Lord, help me to be kind to her. (laughs) Help me to be loving to her. Please help me. Please help me, Lord, not to be angry with my child today. Please help me, Jesus. Please help me. That's the awesome thing about Jesus. See, when you call upon Him, when you cry out to Him, the Bible says that He will answer and show you great and mighty things. 29 years as a Christ follower now, and I can tell you, I can tell you that when I say Jesus, when I say Jesus, I know He's there. The Bible says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's now not just some distant God out there. He's my friend. He's my friend. And he knows my name. Like he knew Mary's name, he knows your name. Jesus came into the reality and he stood in their midst. Jesus stood in their midst. And Jesus stands in your midst today. He stands here today and he wants you to know that he loves you. He really Really loves you. See, there comes a point in your life where you can't do it. There comes a place in your life where you can't figure out. Jesus shows up in your midst. He's there for you. He loves you. See, I want you today to experience the same resurrected Jesus that I've experienced. The same living Jesus that I've experienced. 
you know, we go through stuff. We go through challenges today. You might even be going through a really difficult time. I've had some difficult times. Over the last few weeks, I've heard some things that I didn't want to hear. I've had to say, Jesus, please help me to deal with that. You see, there is a great story in the Bible. It's about a couple of guys. There's three guys in particular. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they made a decision to follow God. They made a decision to be God followers. And because of that, there were some people that didn't like him. And the Bible says that, they, that, that the king threw them into a fiery furnace. And I love the words that they said to that king. They said, King, we don't care if we live or if we die. We're not going to bow down to your gods. We're not going to bow down to your gods of fear, of unbelief, of doubt. We are going to believe. The king threw him into the fire. And I want you to hear what the Bible says. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste. And he spoke. And he said, Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they're not even hurt. And the form of the fourth looks like the Son of God. I want you to know today, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care the fire, the challenge, the difficulty. The Son of God is with you. He is in your midst. He's a resurrected Savior. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who not only is with us in the fire, He's the God who walks with us through the fire, and He's the God who takes us through the fire. He loves you today. He cares for you. He said, I am with you to the end. Here's the deal, guys. Jesus didn't come into this world and die and rise again to ruin your life. (laughs) Jesus didn't come into this world to ruin your life But He came to save your life. He came to save your life. I'm coming to you today. Jesus, He's coming to you today. Stands at the door of your heart, even when it seems closed. I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what challenges you're experiencing. But these guys, they were full of fear. They were full of fear for their life. And Jesus comes to them. And he speaks this word, peace, peace, peace. Two times he tells them, okay, guys, peace. It's going to be okay. Peace be with you. And that's what Jesus speaks to you today. A couple of years ago, a couple walked into our church. I didn't know their story. But this morning, I want you to hear the words that Jesus spoke over them. And how their story has been changed because they met Jesus. Check this out. This is our story. Our story um, came to City Church before a little five years, about five years ago. Um, trouble, um, a lot of arguing, um, not a good structure in the household. Um, just, just not a good life to start raising our kids. We were lost. There's a lot of arguing, cheating, abuse. Lying, drugs, alcohol, partying, um, being distant from each other, working, um, became became something that we knew we had to fix. We started going around looking for churches. We need something more, something more than just going to churches to be lucky for a week. We need to get involved. Um, So we got invited to City Church a couple of times. Um, So we decided to look up online to see what City Church was about. And at that moment, no lie, I tell you, 
Miss Laura calls Vanessa. Yep. She just calls her and says, hi, I'm Miss Laura, I'm the pastor's wife um, from City Church. And Vanessa gives me this look like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, the pastor's wife go. called us, we have to go. We were we were living without being married, and that's when all everything bad was happening yes. and to us. And then when we decided to come to City Church and... Um, they told us why it was important to get married and how getting married is obeying God and that's what he wants. Yeah. We started getting blessed. I'm just excited, you know, just being faithful is, is bringing us a long way. Come on, amen. Mike and Vanessa, it's been amazing to watch their journey. A couple of weeks ago, Mike was playing basketball with some of the guys at the church and and he's a big guy, and he likes to get in the middle and bang. And and uh, another guy hit him, and his knee his knee completely shifted over here. And he hasn't been able to be in service the last couple of weeks because he's at home recovering. But he sent me a text in the middle of service because he was able to watch it online. And I want you to hear what Mike says. He says, he is risen indeed. Great service, Pastor. I feel like me getting hurt has given me time to have peace. But until this service, I know now that he has called me just like he called Mary. I never felt so blessed to be chosen for his kingdom. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Laura, for making that call. That phone call changed me and my family's life, and I should say our future. Thank you, Lord, for using Pastor and City Church to change my life. Thank you for continuing to change my family's life. Thank you for their media page to catch service in bed while I heal. <laughs> Thank you for all the members who I call my family in your body. Bless them all. Amen. I love you, Pastor. God still changes lives. God's story intersected with Mike's story. I remember that night. My wife actually didn't want to make that phone call. I mean, busy life. We're just like everybody else. And someone had told her about this girl that she needed to call. My wife said, well, why don't you call her? But we were sitting there on a Saturday night, and my wife did the right thing. Although she didn't feel like it, she picked up the phone, and she called Vanessa. Uh, you got to hear this today. God loves Mike and Vanessa so much that while Vanessa was online looking at our church, our website, my wife calls. <laughs> That's only God. Come on. Only God could orchestrate. There's no way. That's impossible. So God's story, his upper story, his plan and purpose intersected with Mike and Vanessa. It's amazing. You know, Jesus spoke peace that day. He said, peace. You don't have to do this on your own, guys. And then he did something really cool. It's what changed the rest of history. It's why we're here today. The Bible says that Jesus breathed on them. Breath. In the Greek, the word is pneuma. It literally means the breath of God or the life of God. In the Hebrew, the word is rach. It's the word breath or life. In the Old Testament, the, that the Bible says that God spoke into Adam. God breathed into Adam life and he became a man. And that's what God does to you and I today who believe. God takes his breath and he breathes into our life. And we receive his spirit, his resurrection power, his resurrection life. You know, that night, that, that day that Jesus breathed upon them, they were radically changed. These guys had been cowards. They'd been 
pulled up. They were afraid for their life. And all of a sudden, the breath of God comes into them. The life of God comes to them. And they become changed people. And then just several days later, they do exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went to Jerusalem and they were praying and seeking. And as they were praying and seeking God, His power came and He filled them with His Spirit. And as they were filled with God's Spirit, they were now empowered with purpose and with mission. Their lives were radically changed. They went from cowards to champions of the cause of Christ. And you are here today, 2,000 years later, no matter what NPR tries to tell you, no matter what CNN tries to tell you, no matter what the historians of this generation try to tell you, Jesus is alive. Jesus rose from the dead. Death could not hold them. The grave could not hold them. Jesus is still changing lives. And He can change your life today. He loves you. He wants to break through that locked door of your heart. The gunk and the junk and the pain and the hurt. He wants to come into your life. Listen, I don't care. I don't know what it's going to be like. Who knows what it's going to be like? Listen, I had no idea when I surrendered my life to Christ that... 30 years or 28 years later, I would be I would be living in Central Florida. Guys, I'm from the West Coast. I, I was living in Seattle. I had no idea that God would bring me to Central Florida to tell people about His love. But I can tell you this today, that God will do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask, think, or desire because He loves you. His purpose for you is good. His plans for you are good because He is a God loves. He loves you. Can you close your eyes? The power of His Spirit. They became new people. They became new people. They had a new power for living. It was Christ's resurrection power. It was His resurrection power. You're not going to do this on your own. It's not a self-help improvement program. This is a radical life change program. It's God's way of doing it. It's God's way of making you a new person today. You're here today. You're in this room. I'd ask that everyone close their eyes. And Christians, please pray. There's some people making some decisions right now that could, like Mike, change their life forever, change their family history forever. I would ask you to pray, Christian. But you're here today, and you know know today that your life isn't right with God. You've never experienced His peace. You don't really know that He knows your name. You don't really know that. And today you want to know Him. Today you want to have a relationship with Him. Today you want to experience His peace and His presence and His power. And if that's you in this room, we're not going to belabor this, but if you need that today, you need a life change today. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, anyone in this room right now? All across this room, hands are going up. Yeah, yeah, all across this room. Awesome. Wow. All across this room. You can put your hands down. You're here today, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, but man, life's been challenging, and you've, you've been lacking peace. You've been lacking peace, and today, I want you to know this Resurrection Sunday, April 20th, 2014, you can leave your changed. You're a Christ follower. His resurrection power and spirit is here for you. And you just need that reality awakened in your heart today. 
not saying you're not a follower of Christ, but what I am saying is you know that you need peace today in a new way, in a new understanding. If that's you, and I count to three, could you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand right now. Believers all across this room, amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Can everyone just stand with me wherever you're at? The room is full. There's no room for anyone to come to the altar today, but that's okay. You raise your hand today, and you need that life changed. We're going to say a prayer. Pastor Glenn's going to close the service in just a moment. And if you pray this prayer today and you really mean it, you really, really mean it in your heart, and you want a life change, and you want to accept Christ, we have what we call a connect card. And on the back, there's a little column here that says next steps. If you would just check off that box. I'm accepting or receiving Christ today. In just a moment when the bucket comes by, if you could put it in there, that would be awesome. But I want every person to close their eyes. And ushers, please make sure that no one's leaving right now. This is a very solemn moment. There's some people making a decision. There's some people that are going to say a prayer. And they're going to mean this with all their heart. And as you pray this today, and you mean this with everything within you, you ask Christ to come into your life to change. I believe he's going to do that. I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus thank you today that you gave your life just for me. Thank you that you died on the cross to take my place. Thank you that you saved me from my sin. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you rose from the dead that third day. And I'm accepting and I'm receiving the breath of your spirit and your power to live a changed life. Forgive me today cleanse me today. Make me a new person by your grace and by your love. Jesus, in your wonderful name, in your wonderful name, amen. I believe I